When a seasoned sports fan teams up with a millennial, opinions may vary, but the debates assuredly won't disappoint. Check your sources. It's New Report, Old Report. Here's your hosts, John Lund and Al Renato. Yes, indeed. Hello, everyone. I'm John Lund alongside Al Renato, a.k.a. as New York sports radio fans know him, the great Al from White Plains, and this is New Report, Old Report. Here on Tuesday, June 18th from 8 to 9 Eastern Time, live on Sports Radio America. If you missed the live show, you can catch the replay all week, also at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, or find the show as bonus content under the Bridge Sports Podcast, which you can find by searching for the Bridge Sports Podcast on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Spotify or really wherever you get your podcasts as well as at londonbridge.com. If you want to interact with the show, you can text in a question, comment, or complaint to 929-274-3437, or if you're brave enough, leave a voicemail with the same, and we'll play what you have to say on air again by calling 929-274-3437. This week, Anthony Davis is coming to the Los Angeles Lakers. And oh yeah, the Toronto Raptors are your 2019 NBA champions. Check your sources. We're off. Now, what would be the odds that that was happening again, that that wasn't a new report? Was that a new report or an old report? That's what I'm asking. Is it a new report or an old report? Is that a new report? Or we don't know. Well, Al, another exciting week in athletics. So much so that the main attraction and excitement actually happened off a court or field. Expected to enter into this show wishing the hundreds and thousands of fathers a happy belated Father's Day for starters and then talk about the Raptors finishing off the Warriors, what that means for both franchises, what that means for the league and free agency. And then whilst many were out to dinner on Saturday evening minding their own business, the Lakers take back the news and the noteworthy in the NBA as Anthony Davis will be traded from the Pelicans for seemingly every first round pick the Lakers have from now until this show will end several years down the road along with Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, Josh Hart, me, you, your son, our family members, everybody's going to the Pelicans and Anthony Davis is coming to LA in return. A lot of places we're going to go with this, but first, your initial thoughts when this trade broke and you saw what was given and what was got. Well, first of all, Johnny, like you alluded to earlier, we want to wish everybody a happy belated Father's Day. I had the pleasure and joy uh, of having uh, my own totally biased opinion, the greatest father on the planet. Uh, who I lost many years ago, but who was a great role model for me and my best friend growing up and uh, who helped show me how to be a father. And I like to think uh, I've done, not that I could fill those footsteps, but done a decent job of at least following in the incredibly large uh, footprints that he left. And I want to congratulate a nation. Before we go back to the finals, let's at the very least congratulate Canada and the Raptors for their incredible achievement of knocking off what was thought by many to be a dynasty, at least a mini dynasty, as they disposed 
of the damaged, albeit beat up warriors, uh, insects, lo and behold, in the last game to ever be played in the Warriors building and winning all three games in the Warriors building, which no one thought would ever happen. But like you, I was out Saturday night. I was walking up the steps at City Field with my son when it went off on his phone and he said, they got him. I go, what? He goes, they got AD. And then my response was, for what? And his response was, you're not going to like it. And you know, as a fan of a team, you have an absolute allegiance to your guys when you draft them. We always talk about the fact that you know, we fall in love with draft picks. We fall in love with our guys. I like Lonzo Ball a lot. I don't love him. He's not great. But I thought Lonzo Ball and Ingram and Josh Hart, from a, a supplementary point of view, as a bench player, a complimentary player, were great building blocks with LeBron James and the fourth pick in the draft and free agency coming with room for another max spot. We talked about this a couple months ago when it hit the fan with club sports and magic and the rumors of this and Davis trying to force his way out of New Orleans. So I thought giving up everything they wanted to give up then, which was similar to this plus Kyle Kuzma was too much. They did not give up Kyle Kuzma, but they gave up what turned out to be the fourth pick in the draft, which I'm sure was a huge boon. Uh, as a result of the lottery and probably included instead of Kuzma. I don't know for a fact. You can't give away your picks two years in a row. The Ted Stepien rule, so they'll have their first-round pick next year. But the Lakers give up three first-round picks, including the number four overall pick this year, the three aforementioned players by my partner, Big John Tiny Lund. And they get now the franchise player in the NBA to follow in the footsteps of George Mikan, Will Chamberlain, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Shaquille O'Neal, to a lesser degree, Paul Gasol, as the next great superstar center of the Los Angeles Lakers, all of whom, with the exception of Will, won multiple championships. Will was not there that long, went to multiple finals. And the championship that he won was the first in Los Angeles Laker history. The most important aspect of this trade for the Lakers and why as much as I hate to give up who they gave up. And they now will have to fill the roster out with John Tiny Lund, six foot seven, myself, five foot seven. Uh, my son, five foot eight, will be the backcourt. Is that the player that they got is 26 years old. Just hitting his prime. And the most important element of this to me is that, yes, they have two of the top 10 players in the league. And yes, this helps them in the end of the LeBron era for however long he stays, plays and stays in Los Angeles. But most importantly, it is a building block and a centerpiece for the franchise of record in the National Basketball Association for now and for well into next decade because he is only 26 and a great building block for free agents who would want to come to play with a all super duper all league all star 
all NBA player who has proven his worth in this league and now is on the quest for championships. And if he wins championships, and I say that in plural, with LeBron James or without LeBron James, and even just goes to finals, he becomes a huge drawing card for future free agents and when they have more cap space to build around him and he makes the future of the Los Angeles Lakers incredibly bright when just a couple weeks ago it could not have been in a darker state of affairs with the unrest of the front office, the total and complete quandary the Laker fans were in over who was running the franchise, the surprise departure of Magic Johnson, who we'll get to in a little bit. Now, right now, there's more to be done, but all's right with Laker Nation. Yeah, as with anything, there's pieces to the pie, and I think what makes this trade easier to swallow and tastier to keep using that terrible analogy is that that's the biggest piece. Anthony Davis being 26 and joining with LeBron James now, and then the fact of and hope that other players will want to join with Anthony Davis years from now because of what he brings to the table. And we know as Lakers fans and people know this around the league, sometimes what quietly gets forgotten when it comes to Lakers championships is big men play huge roles in them. Shaq, obviously, and Kareem come to mind right away, and you mentioned George Michael, but there's also Andrew Bynum. There's also Paul Gasol. Paul Gasol, an incredibly important piece for Kobe Bryant's two championships without Shaq. Some, somehow he sometimes gets forgotten about as well. The big men in L.A. and around the league, really, but how vital of a piece a big man has been going to a championship and winning championships can't be understated, and here we are with one. And there's not many in the NBA where you can say, that's a big man, that's a center, that's a guy that could also shoot threes and shoot from the outside, and he's one of the top six or seven players in the league going with another top three player in the league as well. On that alone, it makes it incredibly exciting to see what they'll be capable of. Then, of course, you peel back some of the onion and think, well, who else is going to be with them aside from Kyle Kuzma? And that brings up another interesting debate on whether they should potentially go after someone else to make this a quote-unquote big three if you don't include Kuzma. Kemba Walker, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler, who's going to be the next guy? Or should they go after shooters? As we saw last season, they lacked that quite enough as the year went on, not the best shooters in the world playing next to LeBron, should they just go after the J.J. Reddicks, the Danny Green NBA champion? Should they fill in with role guys and maybe older veterans that can still do something like a Ricky Rubio to go along with LeBron and Anthony Davis and that'll be enough? Or should they try and get someone else and then Really, they, they might be calling us the next time we do a show. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out now because now there's more rumors swirling across the league as a whole, who's going where, who's breaking up their teams, and we'll have more, we have more questions now, but we'll have more of those answers. I'll be interested to see what the Lakers decide to do in that regard. Sign another big guy, or is it better to just get multiple guys and go from there? That right now 
is the biggest question that faces Laker fans, Laker front office. But part and parcel of that puzzle is how much money the Lakers will have to work with because of the complicated nature of the NBA salary cap. And we won't get into the line-by-line regulations and parameters of it and bore our listeners to death. But, But the bottom line is, depending upon when this trade becomes official, which could either be July 6th or later in the month, because of certain scenarios in regard to the draft and teams having the ability to sign the players that they draft, etc. There is about, I believe, a six to eight million dollar difference in the amount of cap space the Lakers would have to work with. If the trade is made official on July 6th, I believe the Lakers will have around $24 million worth of cap space. If it's made effective later in the month or at the end of the month, I believe the cap space would bump up to upwards of $30 million. I don't know how they would be able to bring in any of the aforementioned top-flight free agents. Now, look, let, let's step back. I, I don't think Kawhi Leonard is a possibility anyway. But if he were to be and have an interest, I don't know how they would fit him in unless he would take clearly less money than he could get from Toronto. The same is true of even though we don't put him into the equation because he's unrestricted, but not going to play hardly at all next year. The same is true, of course, of, of Kevin Durant. And we have no idea what's going to happen with him now. Um, the same is true of the Charlotte. I don't want to say he's, he's a superstar in Charlotte, Kemba Walker. Uh, he's not a superstar in the league, but he is clearly a star, an all-star and a terrific player, and unrestricted. He said he would take less money to stay in Charlotte. Why would he take less money to stay in Charlotte? I don't know, other than to allow his team more space to sign other players, but they are strapped cap-wise. I would think, logically, Kemba would say, I'll take less money to go elsewhere. But the point is, he would have to take uh, considerably less money than he could get from Charlotte to go play for the Lakers. And as for Kyrie Irving, uh, again, a total mystery. He also would have to take less money than he could get from either the Celtics to stay or the Nets on a max deal that he could get from them. I don't know if any of those guys will take less money. I think the best fit, for whatever it's worth, in my opinion, of this group would be Kemba Walker because he is the one who has said he's willing to take less money. He is the one who is in a losing situation, whereas obviously uh, Kawhi is not. And can take Max, and he's not Kawhi's not a guard, right? And obviously, Kyrie Irving is a guard, a point guard, which they desperately need, uh, not just to fill out the roster, but to run the offense. And of course, Kemba Walker is really a combo guard in my mind, but a terrific one, and I think would be a great fit because he can run an offense and he can score with the ball. And without, I think that's the best fit of the big guys of the guys where you would take whatever cap space you have left and boom, it's gone. And then you would literally have to fill out your roster with minimum salary players. The other route is to go after people like you mentioned Danny Green, who I really have no interest in uh, off what he showed in the finals for Toronto when he was absolutely abysmal, but he has got a championship pedigree and he is known to knock down three-pointers in big spots and be a shooter that can spread the floor. Uh, 
I love the idea of Patrick Beverly, who is a high percentage three-point shooter, who is a complete warrior, a brilliant defensive player, and one of those players who love him if you got him, hate him if you don't. He would be a good fit. Can they go and look at Ross, who is also an excellent three-point shooter uh, and would make probably similar money to Patrick Beverly? We're talking about maybe seven, eight, ten million dollars each for those two guys. Are those possibilities? As I said, I have no interest in green. If you want to bump it up a notch, as you said, he made, I think, 15, 16 million dollars last year, if not more. You could, could take the J.J. Redick route. He will cost you more money. He also is considerably older and not as good defensively. On a lesser salary, you have baby brother. All right? You have Steph's little brother um, who played very well, the younger Curry, for Portland this year, was in the three-point shooting contest, is a big-time three-point shooter. I think that would be an excellent fit because he would cost you minimal dollars in the big scheme of things. He is an excellent three-point shooter. He's a very good defender, and he's a very gritty player. I think he would be an excellent fit with the Lakers. Uh, I, that guy would be on the top of my list if I were going to take the route of the lesser free agents available. Then you have people like Rudy Gay. Could you get Rudy Gay to take lesser money to be a super sub and come off the bench as a six-man? So there are... And then you have two restricted free agents, uh, or you have, you have a, a top-flight restricted free agent, Malcolm Brodden. Uh, you could make him an offer that the Bucks would have 72 hours to match. It wouldn't be a max offer, but it would have to be a considerable offer, I would think, whether it's $12, $15, 18000000 million. You, I, I don't want to max out, not that I don't like Jimmy Butler, but I don't like the fit. And I don't want to max out on Tobias Harris. I don't want to max throw a max deal at Middleton. To me, those aren't max players. And you're not going to get Middleton for $15 million a year. You're not going to get Tobias Harris for $15 million a year. The other guys are distinct possibilities. And I think they're fits and it can work. Uh, but you have to be conscious of a couple things. You have to make sure you get guys, because you don't have a lot of depth, you have to make sure you get guys who A, are shooters, who B, are, are solid defenders, and C, are guys who don't have bad health uh health histories, because you want guys who are going to be able to go out there and play. But you're not going to have a whole world of depth, no matter how you cut it. You know, you're probably only going to go eight, nine deep tops. So you got to make sure you're going to fill it out with guys who aren't the kind of guys who, you know, spend half the year you know, on the on the bench in suits uh, or in the training room. you got to have guys who are going to be ready to play and want to play. And guys should want to play, number one, because of the possibility of being incredibly successful in the postseason and the chance of winning championships. And guys, you know, these kind of guys we're talking, Patrick Beverly's a guy who wants to play. All I have to do is watch him. Uh, the younger Curry brother is a guy who wants to play, Not the, just like his brother. You know, he's, he's a hungry guy. He's a guy who's always diving on the floor. He's a kid who plays hard. Those are the kind of guys I think you really need to fill this roster out with if you don't or are unable to get one of the bigger guys, which I really doubt they're going to be able to do. It will be interesting. And it's something, too, where... I wouldn't hate seeing Kemba Walker, Walker come over to be that third guy for a quote-unquote big three or to have another big name be part of that, as we mentioned, whoever it would be. But you also look at this year's national champion. The Raptors didn't have a plethora of woe players. They have Kyrie Irving. 
Then you have nice players, P.J. Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Marcus Saul. They're not necessarily Hall of Fame players. They're not going to knock your socks off going for 35 and 40 on certain nights. But they, everybody on that team gelled so well together and did their roles so perfectly that it got them to win an NBA championship. So you look around at who could the Lakers bring in to get that same type of result where you have your Kawhi Leonard in LeBron, you have your P.J. Siakam, I mean, you can't really, and you have Serge Ibaka and Marcus Gasol combined in Anthony Davis and, and a little, you know, You, 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 you have almost that. everything combined yeah. in Anthony Davis. Because remember, to our listeners, if you don't remember, because it seems like it was forever ago that he was a freshman in Kentucky, and went into the cauldron. That is, and another thing I love, he's going in with a great deal of pressure. This is a guy who showed as a kid he can deal with the pressure because there are no more pressure-packed places in NCAA sports than Alabama football and Kentucky basketball in terms of their expectations. And he went into that cauldron and led them to a national title as a freshman. Now remember, he was a point guard. He was not a 6-foot-11-inch point guard. He grew a, 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 approximately a foot. Well, he was in high school. He went from a point guard, a ball handler, and a shooter. That's why he's so adept at handling the ball. That's why you see him with ball handling skills of a point guard because he was a point guard. Not a point guard at 6'10 who wanted to play outside, but a normal-sized high school point guard who had an extraordinary growth spurt that turned him into a 6'10", 6'11", big man. And probably, not probably, clearly the most versatile big man in the world more versatile than with all due respect to the greek freak more versatile than the big man in philadelphia why because he's a better ball handler than him and he's a better shooter than the freak he's a much better outside shooter than the freak about 33 percent from three that's not awesome but for a guy who's 611 it's pretty damn good 38 percent on spot up threes he will be a killer in screen roll with LeBron and anybody else that they play a screen roll with. And anybody who watches the NBA, not to get too specific and X and O people to death, but the simplest play, one of the two simplest plays in basketball, one the give and go, two the pick and roll, has become the dominant offensive play in professional basketball. It's all about screen and roll and your ability to defend it. And on the defensive side, he has a bit of defend it because of his quickness and his length, as well as defend the rim. So the Lakers have gotten on both sides of the ball, arguably, arguably, the best player on the planet. Nobody's going to call him that right now because he hasn't won a championship. And because of Kawhi, who's fresh and just won a title, and because of LeBron, who was the best player on the planet, and because of KD, who is now the injured best player on the planet. But they may have right now the best all around both sides of the ball player in the National Basketball Association. And if he isn't, obviously, he's incredibly close. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. I would say, gun to head, I would probably prefer that they do 
the mix and match. Okay, you don't get the big three main guy that you want. Go out and see who will come and play with this team and how that's going to work out. If I had to pick, instead of getting the Kemba Walker, the Jimmy Butler, just because I think you give yourself more wiggle room if something were to go wrong, you would have something left to make something happen midway through the season if you need to bring in another player, trade somebody off. I think you're really putting all your eggs in one basket if you bring in another Max guy this year. I think you might be better off filling in the pieces around the team, sitting LeBron and AD down and saying, who do you want and where do you think we need this and and how should we go about that? Which, again, we still haven't answered the question that we've brought up on this show for several shows now of who actually is running the Lakers, who's making these final decisions. Obviously, this was one that LeBron was all about. We found that out during the season when everybody knew that the entire team was going to get traded for AD. So we know he's okay with this. But now it becomes... Is he going to be the guy going out and recruiting his guys, seeing who wants to come play, maybe for lesser money, or is it still going to be in the hands of Rob Palinka and Jeannie Buss is just going to let him go? We don't know what that answer will be. But gun to head, well, I would go with the let's see who will come here and be able to fill the voids that we need instead of getting another big-name player. And then God only knows what that would happen at that point. I agree with you. I like the idea of hungry complementary players who fulfill a specific role mixed and matched around the two stars. Because also remember, which we now have to get to, is that not just has the landscape of the league changed dramatically because of this trade, the landscape of this league changed dramatically because of what went on in the last couple games of the NBA Finals with Kevin Durant, unfortunately, going down with an Achilles, where he will be lost for, if not all, the lion's share of next season, regardless of where he goes. And this, the scheme of things have changed dramatically with that. Everybody thought there's a lot to go to the Knicks. Will the Knicks still offer him the max? Does he want to go now? Do they still want him now? What will Golden State do now that he's not going to be able to return to wherever he plays? Probably... I would think at the earliest March or April of next year. Will he opt in? He has an option to opt in for another year at Golden State for $31 million. That's another possibility. And get healthy and play there until the end of the season for whatever season he has in postseason uh, and show everybody what he's worth. Or does he get a max offer and say, look, I better take it now because I, it, I, I just saw what can happen. You know, your career can go in the the snap of your fingers, the blink of an eye. So does he take max money from the Knicks if they offer, which I think they would, but the landscape is changing that. Well, Anthony Davis isn't going to go there to him via trade now anymore. Is it? And would anybody else go there with that opening for a second max contract, knowing that yeah, KD's there, but he's not going to play this year. So that's a huge change. What's happened in Golden State further is that they lost yet another star who is eligible for free agency. We all know that Thompson is going to stay. There's never really been any issue. Michael Thompson said his son is going to stay. But he also is out for the lion's share of the season with the terrible ACL injury he had on the break when he tried to grab the rim to break his fall. 
couldn't really get a grip on it, came down awkwardly, tore his ACL in game six, and he is going for the lion's share of next year. So there are no big threes. There aren't even any big twos right now other than what the Lakers have. If you want to call a big two Harden and Chris Paul, okay, good luck. Chris Paul is getting older by the second. Is incredibly injury prone. Your next best big two is it? You know the the, the for sure two pair. We have in Philadelphia because we don't know what's happening with Jimmy Butler and we don't know what's happening with, with Tobias Harris. Right? Is it you know the six foot eleven inch point guard who can't shoot and the crying big man in Beeb who can't stay on the court, or is it Paul George and Russ who can't win a playoff series? Regardless, there are no more big threes. And the Lakers have, I think, without argument, the best big two. The most dominant big two. They've got the big man, who has proven he's a dominant first-team all-star his entire career in this league at only 26. And they've got, if not now, clearly formally, the best player in the world, and one of them, who's got three championships, who's returning to good health. So we talked about how Kevin Durant held the balance of power in the National Basketball Association in the palm of his hand. The Achilles injury and the injury his, to his teammate has now turned everything completely upside down. It had a lot to do with Kevin Durant before. It still has a lot to do with Kevin Durant for totally different reasons. And with the loss of his teammate for the bulk of the year, now the West is totally the wild, wild West. It is up for grabs. And depending on what happens with Kawhi Leonard and the team he just won the championship with Toronto in the East and Kyrie Irving, the team everybody says is going to leave Boston in the East, we know nothing right now. We know absolutely nothing except for sure the sun rises and sets once again on the empire that is the Los Angeles Lakers. It's absolutely amazing. And it happened in fewer than two weeks. And as you said, on this show, we spend a lot of time and time deservedly so spent on the dismay and disarray of the Los Angeles Lakers and what they unfortunately turned into with the Magic Johnson situation and not making the postseason. And, and it's just been a saga that no Lakers fan wants. That completely gets flipped on its head by one trade. And we mentioned it's a lot in this one trade on paper and in years to come. We, uh, we, often, enormous. we often joked about the Dwight Howard, Steve Nash trade and how long it took to repay that in the draft. You even forget what was happening in it. And all of a sudden a uh, announcer would say, well, that pick's going to such and such. Remember the trade, the Lakers, did? like how long ago was that? Really? That's going to be the same thing that happens now with, the Hornets or the Pelicans, Hornets. I always. But remember, remember, it's this year's pick, but you have next year's pick. Right. So, so next year you're gonna get. Even look, even if you have a terrific season, you're picking at the end of the first round. You're gonna get a good player that's probably gonna make your roster. Right. Because you know your roster is not gonna be filled out with a ton of draft picks. So you know whoever they draft next year in the first round is probably going to play be a player. Look, they got Kyle Kuzma. There. They got Josh Hart there. Look where 
I mean, the mini dynasty got Trey Green in, in the second round. You can find terrific players if you scout and draft properly. And the Lakers hopefully will do that. In the meantime, everything has become a complete and total brave new world in the NBA for reasons that we anticipated and reasons we had absolutely no conceptual possibility of happening. And they were tragic ones, plain and simple. Nobody died. But for purposes of sports fans, of your team, sports fans of just greatness, watching quality of play, watching brilliance. I had a terrible feeling in the pit of my stomach when I went to bed the night that Kevin Durant tore that Achilles. I never thought, I told you he shouldn't, I I told you I didn't think he was going to play in this series. I never thought he should have played. If I was his agent, I wouldn't have let him play. I don't care how hard he wanted to play. I would tell him it's against your better interest. It's against your interest business-wise. And my job is not only to be your friend, my job is to give you cold, hard facts. I'm not a doctor. I don't care what the doctors say. After the calf, the Achilles is next. And if you haven't practiced but once or twice, and you expect to go out there full bore in the game, and you saw what happened. Everybody saw what happened. Kevin, and we all watched him. We watched, all eyes were on him. And in that first quarter, he was knocking down every standstill jumper. He was playing solid defense. He dove to the floor of the ball. He popped up. But the first time he put pressure on that calf, where he had the ball, faced up, and tried to plant hard and go, boom, it went. You can't tell me they weren't related. I'm not an idiot. Don't insult my intelligence. That's not humanly possible that they were unrelated. That if that injury had never happened, boom, he would have popped the Achilles. Is that possible? Absolutely. But you can't tell me it didn't exacerbate the chance of it happening. I find that absolutely positively asinine for anyone to try and get me to believe that. Don't insult my intelligence. I would have never let him go out there. They didn't let Clay Thompson go out there with a hamstring. They, and you know how badly he wanted to play. He was pissed he couldn't play. And they made him sit. And I know Durant wanted to go out there because he's a competitor. And he wanted to lead his team. And he did everything he's and of course they won that game. Nine and one in the post in, in the finals with him. We know what they are without him. Not very good. Under 500. And they lost another championship series without him. They're one and two without him. They're two and one with him. So the landscape of this league as a result of what has happened and that was unexpected, what we knew was going to happen, even though we didn't know how it was going to happen in terms of players leaving and going to new destinations. We knew that was happening. We didn't know who was going where. But now these unfortunate circumstances with these two devastating injuries for this team who we thought was going to lose one of their superstars and keep, obviously, because he's under contract, staff their other superstar and keep their third star. Now their third star is down. Their first superstar is down, whether he stays or goes. So the West has become, instead of totally dominated by Golden State, and they're going to the finals again, up for grabs. The Lakers now with the two best, healthiest players, the side of Steph Curry in the West. And because of free agency, we're in a total quandary as to what the, where the chips are going to fall in the East. Because everybody has got at least one unrestricted free agent who's an important player 
on their team. Obviously, the most important in Kawhi, incredibly important in Kyrie, very important in Jimmy Butler. Where will they all land? We will know in the next month. Let's take a quick break to pay the bills. He's Al Renato. I'm John Lund. We'll be right back with the new report, old report here on Sports Radio America. We welcome you back. I'm John Lund. He's Al Renato, and this is the new report, old report. It was incredible in a bad way what happened to the Golden State Warriors because the joke was, well, at least two of the four future Hall of Famers need to go down, and then we don't even know if that'll be enough. Because if it's still Steph and Clay, they've shown that they're capable of putting together a championship. Kevin Durant comes back, unfortunately gets injured. Clay Thompson came back, unfortunately gets injured. Steph Curry then would have to play the absolute game of his life to advance the Warriors onto a game seven. He played incredibly poorly in that game and especially in the fourth quarter not saying that it's all on him he missed the last shot okay but the numbers overall were weren't Steph-esque in that moment when he needed to be not taking anything away from the Raptors winning that game it was there for the taking for the Warriors and it didn't happen those two injuries and the severity of them giving you the timetable of KD will be out for the season, which we can take with a grain of salt because we know the Warriors and injuries, he was day-to-day for a month. So I'm not, I'm not taking anything that they say seriously when it comes to what they believe an injury will be. He could be back at the end of the season. He could come back for the postseason. We don't know how the recovery is going to go. Same thing for Clay Thompson. They're saying nine months. People come back from ACLs in five to six months, and we know Clay. He might say, I'm good, and depending on where the Warriors are during the regular season, record-wise, and what they might need to do, he might come back a little sooner than he should. DeMarcus Cousins will need to rest. He came back quicker than he should have. I don't think it was anything that led to this decision and was the main thing that led to this, this decision, but if you're Anthony Davis and you see now that the Warriors won't be Golden State at least until the back end of the regular season, if not going into the postseason, and then having to figure out how to have that team gel once more, because we don't know who's going to come back from this year's squad. Sean Livingston might retire. Who are they going to bring in to help? He might be looking around the West and saying, hey, man, the Nuggets are a great story. That's nice. But they're still the Denver Nuggets. They still have to show us something. Portland was a great story, but they seem to be that win the first round in dramatic fashion and then can't do much more in the postseason. Hell, Anthony Davis beat them and swept them in the postseason with him and a couple plumbers and electricians. So you can't take them seriously. The Rockets might get broken up because we're hearing rumblings that Chris Paul and James Harden aren't getting along. The Jazz are a nice team. The Thunder, as we mentioned, Paul George and Russell Westbrook, they're not LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You always can't count out Greg Popovich, and the Clippers could be something, especially if Kawhi goes. They have a great team element to them, so they're not going to be an easy out. But overall now, if you're Anthony Davis looking at going into the West, hey, we got a pretty damn good shot. Vegas thinks we got a pretty damn good shot. If we push the right buttons and put together a a semi-decent team with the empty spots we have going for us, 
I mean, they're looking like they could become the team to beat. You can't necessarily say that without seeing them on the court. But just on paper and healthy, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, I mean, that's something that you would do if you're playing a video game to see if that'll work. And the other aspect of it is what you just touched on in terms of health. Having the both of them, uh, the, the, look, the benefit of having two quote-unquote superstars, which they clearly are, from an offensive perspective, is you don't need them both on the court at the same time. You know, you can have one guy on the court and the other off, so the other guy gets a blow. And I would not be surprised. And I find it fascinating um, because of what transpired this year with Kawhi Leonard. If in his negotiations with other teams, uh, let alone with his current team, if load management is part and parcel of his negotiations, does he go to whether it's the Clippers or the Lakers or fill in the blank, uh, you know, the Knicks, beside the Nets, besides the Raptors and say, look, no matter where I go, this is not just you guys. This is the plan. When I was traded to Toronto, part of the plan was the load management. I'm not getting any younger. I want to be fresh for the playoffs. So you need to make sure that whoever I'm with, they are prepared to play some games without me because Toronto was and did, and they were terrific without him. Their numbers in games that he did not play this year were off the charts. So they had the ability, and they showed it in the playoffs, to play and were prepared to play in big spots, big minutes, without their best player, without their superstar, without their number one guy on the court. And they showed it in the postseason. He didn't have a phenomenal last game by any stretch of the imagination. He had a mediocre last game. He had a really good third quarter. You know, Lowry came out and made the statement in the first quarter. Uh, you know, Abaka did in the second. It was Kawhi's third quarter. <laughs> Lo and behold, it was Fred Van Bleet who took over the game in the fourth quarter and took and made every big shot. So you, I, I, I really wonder if this will be the mindset with him as a negotiation wherever he goes, and what I'm connecting the dots here, if that will potentially be the mindset of the Lakers with LeBron James because of what transpired this year. And with the addition of Anthony Davis, will they, because LeBron has been a warrior over the years, most of the time, you know, he's had those games where, you know, he decided there were more important things to do than play whether it was business or play or clutch sports or whatever. This is the first significant injury of his career. But as a part of maintaining his good health, will they not only obviously seek to reduce his minutes because they now have the other superstars, so they just need to be at the court all the time, but will they also decide that load management is an important element of keeping him healthy and ready for the postseason and maybe only have him play 68 or 70 games? I would lean toward not only them doing it with him, but also doing it with Anthony Davis as well, just based on his injury-prone ways throughout his career. And again, if they go the route of bringing in those role-player guys, those fill-the-void guys, they could do what you mentioned in what Toronto did, where if one of them doesn't play one night, it's not, well, they're not going to win. It's, 
they still have a good shot of pulling together wins if Anthony Davis doesn't play and or if LeBron James doesn't play. And when it comes to not playing, if you get to the postseason and start putting together performances night after night like Kawhi Leonard did, hitting game-winning shots in an Eastern Conference Game 7, winning the NBA Finals, celebrating today in front of a million and a half people. It seemed like every person in Canada was standing around for this parade today. A foot away from the buses, they had to slow down to get through because there was only a small window for the buses to get past these millions of people. An amazing scene. I don't think they're going to care if they took their child to a game in in February and Kawhi Leonard was sitting because of load management. If it pays off in the end, literally and figuratively, do it all season long. Send LeBron down to Miami to sit and play poker with Chris Bosh and Dwayne Wade and whoever else wants to go down there. Take your two weeks, go over to the East Coast, sit in New York if you want to, go to a winery, film Space Jam 2, take all the time you need. Get us to the postseason. That's where we did. Get us to the postseason. That's fine. But you take, see, I'm all, again, folks, remember, this is John Tinyline. We know he's the new report. I'm the old folk. Al from White Plains, Al Renato, I am the old report. We love you being a part of the program, and and we thank you for listening. You want to load management for games? You want to be rested? That's fine. But be with the team. I don't want you down in the banana boat. I don't want you in South Beach. I want you with the team and showing you are the leader of the team and the goal is to lead this team to a championship. Not sipping wine at courtside. You can do that. Drink all the wine you want after the game. But be on the bench. Be part and parcel of the group. Show you are part of the group. Show you are the leader of the group. None of this stuff where you're down at the end of the bench not talking to anybody. Show them that you are their leader. Lead by example, not by having a wine glass in your hands. Yeah, that's what I mean, though. If he shows up every night and isn't playing, it'll be, well, where's LeBron sitting on the bench? Who did he talk to during the timeouts? Was he trying to outcoach the coaching staff? Did he shove Jason Kidd during a timeout because he didn't like a play that he drew up while the real head coach was coaching? There's going to be all those storylines. Just get out of here. Go down to Florida. Don't even show up. Out of sight, out of mind. Everybody knows he does this. This wouldn't be the first time him taking his little trips to get his body worked on or whatever. And that would alleviate the, the Lakers lost by 20. LeBron stormed off into the locker room during the third quarter. You know that's what he's going to do. There's going to... There's no way he's going to fill that role perfectly in being the leader, in being the hype man, getting the team ready to go. There's going to be storylines upon storylines if that's the case. Oh, he's sitting too far down and, the bench. And, just and just and get I, out of here. I, I, I don't think that if he's there. If they're winning and he's there, that will not be the case. And I don't mean, you know, 62 and 20. But, you know, if they win 50 games and have a, a solid regular season and are ready for the playoffs – you know, as, as a three or a four seed, I don't think there will be any of that talk as long as he's there. I don't think there'll be any of it because there'll be another main focal point of the team. There'll be a guy who's even a better player than he is. There'll be a guy who causes more problems for defenses than he does. Because he's a guy who can score from 25 feet to absolute positively fly to the rack, dunks in traffic, 
you know, over guys his size and bigger, you know, who's 10 years younger, who's eight years younger. So I, I don't think that will be an aspect or a concern at all for this team if they play well and he's there and does what he's supposed to do as a veteran leader and not be a prima donna. So I couldn't disagree with you more on that front. Before we leave this topic, I would like to bring up one thing you touched on that before. The guy who needs to get more credit and plenty of it because he took a lot of heat is Magic Johnson. Because yes, he left unannounced. Yes, we didn't like the way he left. But all of this is not possible without Magic Johnson and what he built in terms of creating cap space, trading picks, clearing room to acquire LeBron James. Oh, he didn't surround him with any shooters. There was a method to the madness. He said it was a process. He said it took time. Did he bring in all the right guys? No. But all those guys he brought in were one-year guys, which resulted in more cap space. They're all gone. It didn't work. I will still try and convince people for whatever it's worth that the biggest reason it didn't work was LeBron James' injury because they were playing incredibly well when he got hurt, as you know, fourth in the West and took apart the defending champs on Christmas Day. That's water under the bridge. What is not water under the bridge is the fact that Magic Johnson drafted the lion's share of these guys. I don't believe he was there for the Ingram draft. You can look it up while we're talking, but he obviously drafted Hart and he drafted uh, Lonzo Ball and he made the trade to get them Kuzma uh, and he cleared the cap space so they could get LeBron and have more cap space to do what they're going to be doing this season. And all of the guys that he drafted with the possible exception of Ingram were traded and this was a trade that he had discussed. And we said, oh, you're offering way too much magic. You're going to gut the team. Well, they wound up giving up everybody they thought he was going to give up with the exception of Kuzma and three first-round backs, including the fourth pick in the draft. So it's basically Magic's trade. This has got Magic's fingerprints all over it. Clutch Sports gets credit. Why? Because they think they forced it? This was on the drawing board for Magic Johnson. This was part of the process. This was on the drawing board for Rob Polinka. Polinka gets the credit, and that's fine. But don't shortchange what Magic Johnson did in his capacity as president of basketball operations for the Los Angeles Lakers, the part-time guy, the guy who didn't have his nose to the grindstone, the guy who wasn't here all the time. Don't shortchange his accomplishments in helping make this possible. You were right. He came around in 2017. Brandon Ingram's draft was 2016. And for Magic, you didn't have to leave in a huff he joked that he would retire and leave if he didn't get a big name guy to come to the lakers within three years well <laughs> here he is just weeks removed from magic saying he's done here comes anthony davis so you you're exactly right he did have hand there's fingerprints all over this deal and whether or not he was even involved with it i mean we don't know if he was still hanging around he might have been cleaning out his desk when Anthony Davis was strolling along or his agent to see what was going on with this deal and he had more input for it there were a couple tweets of course congratulating Jeannie Buss and Polinka for the great job that they did and now he just gets to smile and tell people I told you so I told you so and be Magic Johnson which is what yeah. he wants to be more than he wants to be Magic Johnson he wanted to run the Lakers and be Magic Johnson at the same time. Well, now he can be.
be a happy Laker fan, root for the Lakers, Laker for life, all right, and Magic Johnson, and know that he played a huge role. Anybody who doesn't think otherwise is nuts. And play a huge role in putting the franchise that he helped cement as the franchise of record in the NBA. Because remember, folks, everybody think what? The Lakers won multiple championships in Minneapolis. There's only one championship in Los Angeles. The great 1972 team, the best year in the history of major professional sports in this country, 69 and 13, the then record for most wins in a season, but more importantly, a record that will never be equaled or matched in any professional sport in this country, 33 wins in a row. Not with ties, not a, not an unbeaten streak. Thirty-three consecutive wins in 1972 with Jerry West, Will Chamberlain, Gail Goodrich, Jim McMillan, Happy Hairston, Pat Riley, Bill Sharman at the helm. That was the only championship ever won in Los Angeles until 1980. Kareem came in 76-77, correct me if I'm wrong, I believe 76-77. They got swept by the Blazers on their way to the title. They did not win a title with Kareem until 1980. And guess whose rookie year that was? Urban Magic Johnson. And then they went on to go to eight finals in 10 years and win five of them. He was the centerpiece from the beginning to his end of career in the greatest run in Laker history and the second greatest run in the history of this league behind, of course, the Celtics run in the late 50s and 60s. And there's it's just there's no doubt about it. You know, Kareem did not win a title in Los Angeles until Magic came in his rookie year. Those were the two centerpieces. Those were the two all-world players. Then they had, they had acquired Keith Wilkes, who was a terrific player. They had Norm Nixon. Then they went out and they drafted James Worthy with the number one overall pick, which was a result which resulted in the Ted Stepien rule, where you couldn't trade your first-round picks two years in a row because that was a Ted Stepien trade where they got the Cavs' first-round pick. So the Lakers are the champs, and they've got the first overall pick in the draft. Figure that out, right? which resulted in James Worthy. So Magic Johnson is – not the greatest front office executive in the history of the sport. But what Magic Johnson has done for the Lakers in his life as a player, not as a coach, because he couldn't deal with that and wasn't a very good coach. And as his short reign as an executive and president of baseball, of baseball, basketball operations for the Lakers, it took a while. But the legacy is going to be judged over time via the big picture. And this is what now he has left behind. Two super duper stars for the Los Angeles Lakers to rebuild with in this process towards greatness. Al, it's always a pleasure. Congrats to Canada. Enjoy the continued celebrations. Congrats to Lakers fans for now having something positive to talk about. And congrats to the show because the NBA will continue to have newsworthy items for the next foreseeable weeks, and we'll be able to talk about it each week. And Johnny, I just want to say real quick before we go, to me the best part of that championship for Toronto, obviously it was great for the fans and the entire country and the following that that team has developed and seeing them 
just be so unified behind that team. It was terrific. But I have always been, regardless of the fact that he went to Villanova, and I'm a Syracuse alum, so I hate the Cats, but I have always been a huge Kyle Lowry fan. And there really has not been a more maligned player in recent NBA memory than Kyle Lowry for the ups and downs he's had in the playoffs with their failures with his best friend, DeMar DeRozan, ups and downs throughout these playoffs, ups and downs through the finals. But to see, and I call him the little engine that could, go out there in the seventh game, on the road, excuse me, in the sixth game, on the road, in the building that they said it would just be impossible to win the last game ever to be played in that building, and just shut the crowd completely down, light the place up five for five from three, have a huge first quarter, and then the rest of the way be a distributor, defend with vigor, and play a brilliant floor game, and then see him raise the Larry O'Brien Trophy in the post-game ceremony. To me, that warmed my heart. That kind of took away uh, and vanquished the terrible feeling I had uh, with the Kevin Durant injury because that was it was really a punch in the gut. This was really a feel-good story for me when he got to raise that trophy because he is known now as Mr. Raptor. He's the longest-standing Raptor. To see the general manager talk about him uh, with, with glowing remarks that he is – that the heart and soul of the Raptors as the longest tenured member of that team and see him raise that trophy to me, that was really the highlight uh, of this, uh, of this championship series and kudos to him and the Raptors and congratulations to an entire nation. Really cool deal. Well said. We'll do it again next week. Absolutely. Folks stay with us. We can't wait to talk to you next week for my partner, the great John Tiny Lund. I'm El Renato, AKA from El from White Plains. Take care, everybody. We'll be back next Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time here on Sports Radio America. You can listen at sportsradioamerica.com and interact with the show there as well or find us on the TuneIn app by searching for Sports Radio America. You can also follow John Lund under the same handle on Twitter at London Bridge. Thanks again for listening. <laughs>